So hi church, how are you doing uh, tonight? You doing good? Uh, I see an amazing t-shirt, USA. You are from USA, right? Have you seen that? He's a real fan. Are you for Trump or for Clinton? Oh, that's another topic. I'm so sorry. <laughs> he is just for God. Oh, that's always good, yeah. Celtic fan here in the front. Oh my goodness, God bless you. Uh, whatever, you a fan of it. Um, we are in front of an amazing week. We have approximately 5,000 people are coming from all over Europe for the ICF conference. Uh, the first uh, conference is sold out and the second one is still, we have some um, uh, seats open. And what, what is amazing for us or for the whole team, because 20 years ago we started just this church with a dream uh, to reach people from Zurich. And we were right from the beginning an international church. The name was always International Christian Fellowship, but after five years, I said to Lee to say, we have an amazing name, we have an amazing vision to reach the international, but let's be honest, we're just reaching only Swiss people. And then we changed uh, from English and German only to Swiss German. And some years later, all of a sudden, God opened doors, we started to plant churches, and now we are really international. Now it makes sense. And that's always, I like God, and I was... Um, pumped about God, you have a dream, and God has a way to fulfill the dream that you have in your heart. And that's why we have, will have an amazing week. Uh, people are transformed, people coming from all over just to check out the church, and some churches, they are brand new, and they will see for the very first time the Samsung Hall. For them, like, oh my goodness, the LED wall, it's so huge, you can see everything on the screen. Okay. Um... I want to start with a prayer and then let's dive into the message. Father God, I'm so pumped and so thankful about your presence. You are here right now. And when the people of God gather, you see, as you say, when more than two people are gathered, you are in the midst here. We can ask whatever you want to ask in agreement. You will answer our prayers. Thank you so much that your presence is here. You have at least one specific word for me who will change my life and boost my life in the right godly direction. Amen. I would love to speak about so God means hope. And I start with an illustration. Maybe have you ever been in a cinema, in a three, you saw a 3D movie, but you forgot the pair of glasses. And when you see the picture, it's weird, you can hear the sound, the effects and everything, but after a while, you get some headache, right? But when you put on the three, three glasses, boom, the picture changes in an amazing way. And all of a sudden, the sound and the picture are fitting together and the movie, it's, it's really enjoyable. And this is for me like an illustration or an image when we read off from the Old Testament in the Bible. We just hear stories after stories in the Old Testament, but somehow we don't understand why God is doing what he's doing and we get some headaches after a while. For example, three times a year, God is saying to the people of God, three times a year, you have to come to Jerusalem for three specific festivals. And I want to give you an overview about the festivals it was just, God says, you have to come. If you don't show up, I will kill you. 
And you know, that's the reason why God is saying that it's not about God loves to kill. It's more about the context. God knows how we people are weird. He knows when we're not thinking all the time what God has done in the past, we are going our own way and we forgot the greatness and goodness and the gigantic ways of God Almighty. All the festivals make no sense at all anymore for us. Uh, when we read about the festival, people say, I, I, I heard about it, but I don't, I don't understand the link. There is a reason why the church in general lost the meaning of that festivals. Because Empower Constantine, in the year 325 after Christ, and maybe you can write it down, he changed the whole course of Christianity. He had the first uh, council in Nicaea, this is in Turkey, in front of 250 bishops. And he said, I want to change the Jewish festivals. I don't like them. I want to have the control over the church. And I don't like the Jewish people. And not, I'm not I'm agree about them. And he changed the whole Jewish festivals at that time. Maybe you ask the question, when we celebrate Eastern, you buy a, a, a chocolate rabbit, rabbit for your kids and some eggs. What is that meaning to Eastern? There is actually no meaning because the Passover festival was uh, uh, you ate together with your whole family some food and you remembered yourself about what Jesus Christ has done at that night. It was like a family celebration. And Constance said, I don't like that. I changed it in egg. When we come in together, we eat some egg. And the egg stands for God of, of fruitfulness. And we're celebrating a different meaning. Or have you ever thought about Christmas? Because the people of God had to celebrate once a year the, the, the festival of tabernacle. It's uh, some leaves from the tree and everything they had on, in these houses. And he changed that into Christmas tree. And Christmas and Easter has no meaning anymore uh, in, uh, compared to the Jewish festivals. And now let's stop for a moment. I don't say to you, don't stop, uh, stop uh, celebrating Christmas or Easter. I just want to give you a, a background why we have no clue about the Jewish festivals anymore. Because Constantine, he, he changed the whole course of Christianity. And he took the whole power into the Catholic Church. And that's why we're reading the Old Testament. And we have no clue anymore what is the meaning about those festivals and those points. But before I give you two uh, points about Sukkot, let's start going to the message. Let's understand what is the Feast of Tabernacle. Here you see my story. Sukkot, das ist das Laubhüttenfest. Es beinhaltet auch das Erntedankfest und das Wasserschöpffest. Jedes Jahr haben Juden solche ganz einfachen, simplen Hütten gebaut. Sie haben sich daran erinnert, wir waren 40 Jahre in dieser Wüste, wir haben die perfekten Häuser in Ägypten verlassen. Und das ist ein Sinnbild, wir sind schutzlos gewesen vor Wind, Regen und Kälte. Und wir mussten lernen, diesen Hütten zu vertrauen, Gottes Schutz ist größer als alle unsere Umstände. 
Das zweite Bild war, unsere Körper sind genauso unperfekt. Das heißt, unsere Zukunft wird nie auf dieser Erde sein, sondern dieser perfekte und wunderbare Himmel mit meinem Gott. Sie haben jeden Tag auch ein Erntedank Gott gebracht. Mit anderen Worten, in der Wüste hatten wir nichts zu essen, aber du liest Mannabrot vom Himmel regnen. Wir hatten immer genügend Wasser und ab und zu kamen auch Vögel und wir hatten dann noch Fleisch. Du bist ein super guter Versorger. Und es endete mit dem Wasserschöpffest. Das war der Höhepunkt von diesem ganzen Fest. Man lief nach Jerusalem zum Teich Siloa und der Priester nahm daraus Wasser, ging zum Tempel und goss das Wasser über den Altar. Und das ganze Volk betete, Gott, bitte lass es wieder regnen. Denn Regen bedeutet Segen. Das Volk war sich bewusst, Gott versorgt, Gott leitet, Gott führt, Gott segnet. Was für fantastischen Gott haben wir an unserer Seite. Wow, we had so much fun filming uh, those stuff in uh, Israel. It's an amazing place, especially Tel Aviv. If you want to spend amazing beach vacation, go to Tel Aviv. Amazing. Okay, the point number one is the art of remembrance. Remember your great God. You know, for seven days, the people of God had to sleep and live in those simple houses. And I want to give you a, 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 an, in, in, uh, an insight. There is no roof. Why is there no roof? Because every night, the whole family, mom and dad, grandpa, grandma, and the kids, they were laying in those simple houses. And they looked up to the heavens. And every night for seven days, they just looked up to the heavens. I wrote an amazing quote. I want to read it to you. They say, the nature is God's workshop. The sky is his notepad. The universe is his calling card. Okay, when you look up to the sky, and all the feasts are very visual feasts, there is an amazing meaning behind that. Okay, when you look up to the skies or heavens, we're living in the Milky Way galaxy. And that's the picture of the Milky Way galaxy. Wow. Now comes the questions. Where do we live in the Milky Way galaxy? Not downtown, it's too expensive. It's more by the suburbs. Out, it's much cheaper. For example, when I count star by star in the Milky Way galaxy, every one second, one star, one, two, three, four, five, six, it takes me 2,500 years to count all the stars in the Milky Way galaxy. It's too long, 2,500 years. But you have to understand, this galaxy is only one galaxy out of 300 million billion other galaxies in the universe. If this number is too big for you, then just think for a moment. God is saying, I hold the whole universe in my hand. You know what happened when the people of God looking up to the heavens to see the Milky Way galaxy and everything 
you start to realize God is gigantic, endless, big, and we are so flipping small. And there's so many Bible verses they will read in that feast. In Isaiah chapter 40, verse 26, lift up your eyes and look to the heavens. Who created all these? Who brings out the story, hosts one by one and calls forth each of them by name because of his great power and mighty strength? Not one of them is missing. Here God is saying, look, lift up your eyes. Why is God saying lift up your eyes? Because when, where we live, we have some neighbors, right? In our Milky Way galaxy, our next neighbor, when we look up, you will see the Whirlpool galaxy. That's our neighbor, actually. Hello, neighbor. How you doing? And out there in the universe, there's a Hubble telescope. It's actually like a, an amazing photo camera. And some years ago, they had an amazing shot about the Whirlpool galaxy. And God is saying, look up. God is saying to you and me, I am above you. I am watching you. I'm surrounding you from all the sides. You will be not lost. I have every story in my hand. That means every single detail in your life, I have it in my hand. And here is a guy, he asked God a question, 2 Chronicles 6, verse 18 is actually a joke in the Bible. But will God really dwell on earth with humans? The heavens, even the highest heavens cannot contain you. How much less this temple I have built? And God is saying, cool joke. Let's see the context of the universe of all the huge, amazing stars.
Can you imagine the whole people of God, father, mother, grandfather, grandmom, all the kids, seven days, no roof. They just saw the sky and the heaven and the whole universe. And here's another Bible verse in Psalm chapter 8, verse 3 and 4. When I look up and think about your heavens, the work of your fingers, the moon and the stars, which you have set in their place, what is the man that you think of him, the son of man that you care for him? With other words, for seven days, the people of God realizing God is gigantic. God is over us, he's watching us, he's surrounding us from all the different sides. And we are here for seven days, for one week, to just recommit our life into the hands of God Almighty. Actually, what happens if you're reflecting your life for seven days? It gives you another perspective about your life. You, when you're storing seven days to the heavens and to the stars and everything, this is your life, your lifeline. This is your life here, 80 years, and the rest is eternity. Cool, huh? Eternity. Eternity is very long. I don't know when, where the eternity ends. But after seven days looking to the stars, God is flipping big. You are realizing, oh, this is my life on earth. Wow, it's amazing. I heard you have three cars. Wow, good for you. Three cars for five centimeters. This is nothing to do compared to eternity. You know what I mean? And we worry about so many things in these 80 years. And here is the question. Those 80 years determine the rest of our eternity. How we spend our money determines our eternity. How we spend our relationship with God determines our eternity. The rest of our lives, it's endless, it's enormous, it's gigantic. One week ago, a guy asked me really, really a hard question. He said, I have a boy and he died in the age of 22. Tell me, where is God in all of this? And this is really a hard question because this is like, I would say, one of the worst things that a daddy can experience. But here's the thing. If a son lives 22 years, Or if you live 50 years, or you live 100 years, it's for God not a big deal because this 100 years is nothing compared to the rest of all the eternity. And one week spending in the, the Feast of the Tabernacle gives you a right perspective about me and God and everything what God has given to me. And here's the thing. You cannot take your money 
with you into eternity. You can spend money in the house of God and God will say you will have a big benefit in the end of your life. And here's the question. You are, you have, God has given you some gifts and talents and resources. And the question is, what do I do with those things? Do I make the house of God a better place? Investing my time and energy and money to the house of God because the house of God, it's for God in the Old Testament always a very important thing. Or I'm investing everything what I have for my own house for 80 years. Maybe you're watching 4,000 Netflix movies. Here. Cool. Wow. Amazing. But there's nothing to do with the rest of your eternity. And I like this illustration because one week in the Feast of Tabernacle gives you right perspective about the money, about my talents, about everything. And the question is, I want to make the house of God a better place. And here are two other Bible verses about the Feast of Tabernacle. And I want to start with Psalm chapter 90, verse 12. And here is an amazing uh, teaching. Teach us to number our days, that we may gain our heart of wisdom. Rick Vaughan has, uh, has wrote in his book about purpose-driven life. God will ask us two questions in eternity. The question number one will be, what did you do with my son Jesus? And the second question is, what did you do with your talents? This is the second question that God will ask you and me. Will God will say, well, you were an amazing servant? Or will God say, well... What kind of a well will God say? Well done or well? It's not the same. In Isaiah chapter 33 verse 20. Look on Zion, the city of our festivals. as to do with the Feast of Tabernacles. Your eye will see Jerusalem, a peaceful adobe, a tent that will not be moved. This stake will never be pulled up nor any of its rope broken. God is saying one day our body will be game over, but the house of God will stay forever. And this is a, a sign of, of, of here. These 100 years are nothing compared to eternity. Second Corinthians chapter 5, verse 1. Our body is like a house we live in here on earth. When it is destroyed, we know that God has another body for us in heaven. The new one will be not made by human hands as a house it's made. The body will last forever. And the Feast of Tabernacle has just one meaning. How do I spend my 100 years on planet Earth? This will determine the rest of of my eternity. An amazing point, right? Because so often we forget that. The point number two is the art of remembrance. Remember God's grace. The feast of a tabernacle ends always in the feast of water. And I don't want to go into too much because I preached about that at the hashtag Jesus series. But I want to give you like a little bit of feeling about the feast of water. 
what water means for the Jewish people. They will cry out to God, let it rain, open the floodgates of heaven. For us Swiss people, we don't like that song because we have too much rain. I was in Australia and the whole church was crying, let it rain. I said, Pastor, stop this song. I don't like it. I said, what's wrong with you? I'm from Switzerland. We have too much rain. But for the Jewish people, they cried out to God, God, please let it rain because rain means for Jewish people blessing. If you're living in a desert, you know rain is very needed because when you plant a tree, the best tree you planted, the best tree you planted, the best tree, is there no rain, there will be no harvest and no fruit. Rain is crucial for the people of God. It's like they know we are connected with God. We need God's blessing. God, if you don't bless us, if, we, if you're not letting rain, we are lost in economy, with money, with everything. And here's the thing, if you're living in Switzerland, you take for granted that every month by month, you have a salary, you have a job. Even if you don't have a job, the government will take care for you for many, many, many years. This is like paradise. But for Jewish people, no rain means no food. We're starving, we get lost. Have you ever worried about certain things in your life? Are you worried sometimes about certain things in your life? Worry, the word worry literally comes from the roots. You have a, you have a, um, you have a double meaning. You, you believe in one hand that God will provide, but in the other hand, you're not sure, I think I should care for myself. Worry, you have a splitted heart, a splitted attitude. I have to be honest, three weeks ago, I, I had an, an amazing moment in my life because what, two, one year ago, we sold a company. My wife and my family, we have invested in certain companies to create more money, to give more money to the church. And we sold one part of a company. It's a very complex company. And we got some money and we gave a big part of that money for the coming home um, campaign for the Samsung oil. When you are here brand new, say thank you to me, thank you to other past people because we gave money. Yeah. If, you, if you're new here, be happy you, you paid nothing. Our church grew more than 400 people. More than 400 people are here, they paid nothing. But we gave from this company a lot of money. But what I forgot is in Switzerland, you pay always taxes one year later what you earned one year before. And the good news is on my bank account, the number is 0, 0.00. I have no money in the Swiss bank account because we gave everything to the coming home campaign. And three weeks ago, the government sent me an amazing letter. It said, Leo Biggerborn, you're living in Valley Zealand, you should pay... And it was an amount of a lot of thousands of thousands of thousands of Swiss money. And I said to God, what? I mean, I gave money to your house, Samsung Hall. Sorry, God. What's this? I don't have any money. God, I need a miracle because if you do nothing, I'm broke. Pastor Leo, it's broke. Good news for you. Or you do something and have a testimony. It's up to you. 
But for a moment, I start to worry. You know what I mean? Sometimes I start to worry. I start to doubt. My wife started um, to drive, uh, start to drive a, a motorbike. One year ago, she started. She's a learner. And about three weeks ago, she came to me and said, Leo, it's not my thing. It's very dangerous. I want to quit. But quitting means I can sell her motorbike. And because I'm selling the motorbike, I have all the money for the tax. What an amazing story. But I didn't thought that my wife will quit and because she will quit, we can pay the tax. That's God. God's ways are always amazing. It's adventures. You never know how God and, and what God will do. And that's a message in the festival of, of tabernacles. You ask God to provide for every area of my life. And I want to close this message with a very, very small detail. The priests and the Levites, they had a bucket of four plant species called lulav. Lulav, this is a very complex thing. And I want to read it to you, the lulavs, and I hope I spell all the names um, correctly. It's very difficult English. The fruit of citron tree uh, means it tastes and smells good. The branches of data palm means those fruits are edible and taste good, but doesn't smell. The branches of myrtle, which tastes nothing, but smells good. The branch of brook willows, which neither tastes nor smell good, but useful. How strange is the last one, right? And the Jewish people, they know these four um, flowers and our branches is a link to our relationships we have. Because every day in all the four directions, they wave this new love and say, God, we need strong relationship. We need friends. They are the opposite of me. And here's the things. When you are falling in love, you always fall in love with people that are opposite of you. And it's very exciting in the beginning and after a while. Yeah, it's a challenge. But we need people that are the opposite because if you're choosing the people that are same like you, you have too much of you. We need different people around us. And this is a blessing. The Jewish people say, if we have different people in our life, then we are complete. And they're saying, friendship is crucial. Friendship is fragile. God, we ask you not only for water, we ask us, bless our relationships, our marriages, our friendship. Bless everything what you've given to us because friendship can make you better or bitter. And they're praying every day for friendship. And now here is the meaning, the rabbi, the rabbi meaning of those for friendship. And just think for a moment, what kind of plants are you? The citron is uh, sound minds and goodness. There are people there, deliciousness and good smell. The next one, the people that only have sound minds. They promote the community. I think the next one is, it's me. People who are only friendly. I want to be friendly. They make the world pleasant. The last one, 
people who have none of these abilities. However, they need it for efficiency society. And here's the point. We need different people in our lives. And every day they're praying, God, give me the right people around my life. With other words, show me your friends and I explain to you how your future will be. Friendships are very crucial in our life. And the last three days when I thought about this message, God spoke to me all, at, all about the friendship. He said to me, there's a lot of people right now in the church. Their friendship are not strong. Certain families are going through a rough season. Certain people, they lost the fire, the power, the energy for each other. Certain daddies, they lost the passion. They're not bold anymore for their kids because they're doing weird things. Maybe you are struggling with God. This is an amazing relationship. Maybe you are still single and you're longing for a partner. Maybe you have split up a relationship with a good friend. Friendship is crucial. And I believe right now that God wants to heal certain relationships right now. The Feast of Tabernacle has different meanings. But this house has a meaning. God is over you. God is watching you. God is never leaving or forsaking you. God knows every single detail in your life. If God knows every store by name, the billion and millions of stores, God is saying, I know every detail in your life. The second thing is God is saying to the feast of water, I am provide. I will give you everything what you need. Not what you want, but what you need. And the first thing, Luval means, God bless my relationship. When they're going home after one week of the Feast of Tabernacles, they're going home and they're committed. And they know God can do everything and anything. The band is playing the song Galaxy and I want to go back to this amazing house. I just give you a moment where you can reflect the message. Maybe there's a point where God wants to change, release or heal you. There is no roof, just doors.